it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian has a well-earned day off. Brian will be back soon, partnering with Allison, Pete, and Eric. My name is Harry Hurley. Honored to uh, be filling in today for Brian. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show, which holds a place on the Mount Rushmore of talk radio programs in America today. You can follow Brian at briankilmead.com or thebriankilmeadshow.com. Brian is also a New York Times bestselling author. His latest works are up in the Brian Kilmeade store, briankilmead.com. Brian will autograph books. They make great gifts for you. They make great gifts uh, to give to those who you know and you love. Also, catch Brian on Saturday nights in the 8 p.m. hour. The One Nation with Brian Kilmeade show is just terrific. It's great work. It's some of Brian's Best work, and of course, Brian on uh, Fox Nation, and of course, Brian Kilmeade uh, weekdays 6 to 9 on the Fox News channel, Fox and Friends. Busy day, busy news day, important news day today on the Brian Kilmeade Show, and a number of great Fox News guests are going to be coming by on the Brian Kilmeade Show as the uh, morning progresses, and we thank you for spending this portion of your day here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's important to begin with where we are right now relative to Russia, Ukraine. And I look at this as follows. This is a it's a it's a it's a world challenge. There's no question about it, but it's never a bigger challenge for anyone on the world stage more than the American president. The world expects America to lead. We have a president who hasn't done a very good job of that. And I mentioned yesterday on Brian's show that I try to support my president whenever I can, especially during tough spots like this. We don't have enough of that anymore. It's we're so tribal. Everything is so completely hyper political and red states and blue states. And you have to be against something, even if you're for it. If the other side has an idea that you would always agree with, you have to reject it. I mean, it's so out of control. We have to make it stop or or we could lose our country. So here's an example of a serious geopolitical threat, and how will the American president do? This is an opportunity for President Biden to reset and restart, if you will, his presidency, which anyone that's being objective would have to admit is a failed presidency. And you have to also grapple with the fact that this is no longer an early presidency. You know, you get some honeymoon, you get some budge room, when you're in there a few weeks, a few months, this presidency, and I do not believe there will be a second term. The Democrats do not even want more of this. They just wanted Trump out and hate him more than they love their country. So this was the price for admission. They were willing to pay it. And it's it's a tragedy, actually, because we, we have witnessed and we have endured and, and in, in some cases people have suffered through this first 13 months with runaway inflation and all kinds of issues. That's why it's very hard to listen to President Biden speak about boom economy and I've given you all money and I'm going to Nantucket now uh, and you got all the money and the shelves are all stocked, only the shelves weren't all stocked and people's wages are not keeping up 
with the runaway inflation. So his presidency is very Jimmy Carter-esque, but I would submit to you even worse based on uh, the totality of circumstances. President Carter had the, the Iran crisis, the hostage crisis. Gas prices clearly were a serious issue. But this entire year of both missteps and actually some of it is by design. It, it is just truly a philosophy of governance situation. So when I say he has an opportunity to reset and restart his presidency because of this geopolitical threat, because think about it, it's all on one issue right now. The Washington Press Corps, every question is on Russia, Ukraine. The president is not having to answer right now for all these domestic things and problems that have been happening here uh, on the homeland side of the ledger, if you will. And it's all Russia, Ukraine all the time. However, even though there is an opportunity, because as long as you're in the game, you've always got a shot. You see sports competitions where one team is down 40 points and they come back and win and you can't believe it. That's at the elite college level, the professional level. It happens. Tom Brady was what? Trailing 28 to 3 against the Atlanta Falcons, something close to that. And New England, before he went to Tampa Bay, won the Super Bowl, broke Hotlanta's hearts. Things can turn around. But as I speak, reset and restart potential. President Biden begins, I find the Gallup poll to be one of the more dispassionate polls that you will find, not saying they're perfect, but their record of longevity is noted. And typically they poll uh, fairly in terms of the demographics. They don't oversample one side so that you get a skewed result. And on the issue of Russia, Ukraine. So this isn't just like, hey, how's he doing on Russia in general with Putin and pipelines and all these different things? This is Russia, Ukraine. This proves to me the American people are paying attention. And they really have been paying attention over the course of the past week. The situation with Russia, Ukraine, this almost mirrors President Biden's approval ratings overall. 36% of Americans approve in a Gallup poll that was released late yesterday afternoon. 55% disapprove. Notably, the poll writes, quote, Republicans and even those who have supported Biden have noted the administration's plan to impose sanctions after a Russian invasion of Ukraine have proved to be a failure. So that sets the stage for this first segment of where we are right now. Uh, and and to be fair, no better person to hear from on where we stand right now, in his estimation, is the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, President Joe Biden. Eric, cut one. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, as he indicated and asked permission to be able to do from his Duma. I'm going to begin to impose sanctions in response far beyond the steps we and our allies and partners implemented in 2014. And if Russia goes further with this invasion, we stand prepared to go further as with sanctions. Now, that's President Biden on early actions. There are many citizens, obviously, you see 36 percent approval on the topic. And there are many in Congress that believe that President Biden waited too long and hasn't done enough. And I'm not from the school that no matter what someone does, you say, 
you know, when, whenever you see a situation, a tough spot, and then you hear people uh, criticize and say, well, there's more questions now than there are answers. So no matter what you do, no matter what you say, you're a loser. I, I'm not from that school. I believe in being fair, but I don't I don't believe in wallpapering over what's really going on. And I'm not a huge fan. I'm, I'm not a hater. I don't hate anybody, but I'm not a huge fan of United States Senator Ben Sass, but I do agree with him completely where he said, and this is not just a cheap, I don't think this is just a cheap partisan type of response to something. He says too little too late. Now you hear those words a lot and you typically hear them from the opposing political party, but I think he's right about that. And when you look at 2014 and what was done, Allison and I had a very good conversation about 30 minutes before showtime today on the Brian Kilmeade Show. And we talked about what were the differences between sanctions in 2014. And in fairness, all that we know now is the late night executive order that President Biden did the night before last and what President Biden did yesterday. So there's still time to go. I think that our esteemed executive producer, Allison, is exactly right when she says, and this would be smart, and she's smart, and this would be smart. I hope they're listening to Allison because Allison thinks they're just letting them out a little at a time to not telegraph to Putin exactly how severe, how much will be coming. In other words, don't tell him everything right up front. I couldn't agree with that more. I hope. Hope is not a strategy, but I hope that that's exactly what's going on. I don't have a lot of confidence in this administration. I don't have a lot of confidence in our president. And I say that with a heavy heart because I have to root for our president because if he wins, we win. We've got to still be like that. We have to still be Americans. I know it's it's so tempting because November 8th is coming and much of America wants a course correction. We're going to get it. So don't don't be troubled about that. We're going to get the course correction. Can I promise you on the Brian Kilmeade show, the House of Representatives, almost. I mean, there's not a scenario that I can imagine where five seats don't switch. If nothing is going on and people are happy, 28 seats flip in a president's first midterm. In Obama's first midterm, 63, I think it was, in the House. So we're going to see... In January of next year, we're going to see a Republican majority. That will be helpful. Committees can investigate. All spending measures originate in the House. That will be helpful. Biden will be very much forced to only what he can do with his phone and his pen, executive action. And so I I sign on to uh, Senator Sass on this. Too little, too late. Sanctions have never bothered Putin in the past. They didn't bother him in 2014. Now, I can tell you that the um, the European faction of all of this, uh, the European Union, their first rounds of what they're calling limited round of European Union sanctions on Russia will take effect today. What they're going to do, they're going to try to hit them where they hurt. If you blacklist oligarchs and other politicians, if you ban trade between them and the EU, and and of course they have to include the two breakaway regions, which I think is a shame because I don't know that they want that. Putin said that. 
that, hey, we got two breakaway, and that's uh, Eric who said yesterday that that's the um, the bridge to where Putin wants to get to, so that they're going to be economically hit hard with this. But the president said more. Uh, Eric, cut two. We're implementing full blocking sanctions on two large Russian financial institutions, VEB and their military bank. We're implementing comprehensive sanctions on Russian sovereign debt. That means we've cut off Russia's government from Western financing. It can no longer raise money from the West and cannot trade in its new debt on our markets or European markets either. President Biden continues on imposing sanctions on the Russian elites. Eric, cut three. Starting tomorrow and continuing in the days ahead, we'll also impose sanctions on Russia's elites and their family members. They share in the corrupt gains of the Kremlin policies and should share in the pain as well. And because of Russia's actions, we've worked with Germany to ensure Nord Stream 2 will not, as I promised, will not move forward. And you will pay higher gas prices. Get ready for it, because even the president telegraphed that to you. But let's not forget. Let's let's remember to remember that the president and his policies killing the Keystone XL pipeline for some reason, loving Russia oil and some of these other OPEC uh, ways of of purchasing our oil. We were a net energy exporter. We were self-sufficient. We were energy independent. We were a net oil exporter. We had it all under control. Now you understand that manufacturing is hurt because you're not going to see additional capacity because people see the policy of the administration. Uh, So we have to beg Russia to produce more. We have to beg OPEC to loosen the spigot. Meanwhile, we could be and we should be energy independent. So this will no doubt raise the price even more. To what extent? We don't know yet. And finally, President Biden on, if this goes on, what will we see next? Eric, cut four. As Russia contemplates its next move, we have our next move prepared as well. Russia will pay an even steeper price if it continues its aggression, including additional sanctions. The United States will continue to provide defensive assistance to Ukraine in the meantime. Now, remember, what is that assistance? Because Obama-Biden, the 1.0 version, they sent blankets. What will 2.0 President Joe Biden be? We'll be back. That tells you where we are. And as the program develops, we'll be visiting with experts that will talk about uh, additional nuances and layers and what's actually going on. A lot to um, stay close to listen to today on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. (laughs) 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back with Allison, Pete, and Eric. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today for Brian Kilmeade. Has earned a well, well well-deserved day off. Brian will be back very soon, so don't worry. This is a perfect opportunity to take your temperature on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Let's go to the busy phone lines. Chuck is listening in Montgomery, Texas. Chuck, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Harry, thanks for taking my call, man. I just I want to get your opinion on something because you're good at predicting things. Um, do you think that the, the Democrats are going to change their policies to try to get reelected and then go back to their old ways when they get when they've done lie to the people? Chuck, the answer is a simple, unambiguous yes. How do I know that? Not even a amazing Kreskin prediction or anything like that is is required. It's what they always do. They get in yeah. and they feel safe for a period of time. And then you get the monster get close to the election, and then they start putting the disguise on, talking, uh, to be totally candid and not partisan, talking like a conservative, talking like a Republican. And the proof is, I mean, Joe Biden, our president, is breathlessly saying he was never for defunding the police. Come on. He was funding the bad guys that were beating up police officers and getting them bailed out of jail so they could come out and do some more. I mean, they're they're so intellectually dishonest. You have Chuck Schumer talking about they're going to make cuts. Five minutes ago, they wanted to add three or four or five trillion dollars to our already exploding debt that we will never be able to pay back. They're destroying our children, our grandchildren, and beyond our future as a country. Uh, so, yes, your, your question is so important because don't anyone be fooled. Whatever you hear from the Democrats between now and November 8th, now and early voting that will take place, as you know, well before November 8th, uh, it's, of course, it's what they do. They lie. So don't, don't listen to what they say now. Remember what they showed you that they did. And thank goodness for Senators Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, because the next election is going to end any chance that the Democrats had to spend America into oblivion. Chuck, in 30 seconds, because we have a hard break, let me ask you a question uh, and flip the script on you. Do you believe the perennial candidate Beto O'Rourke is within single digits of Governor Abbott? I think that he needs to go stay at home and leave everybody alone. Do you believe the polls? Uh, I haven't seen the polls. I'm sorry, uh, Harry. I haven't seen the polls. Well, I'll tell you real quick. Better O'Rourke is supposedly within comfortable single digits of Governor Abbott. They always seem to oversample to Beto O'Rourke's favor. Chuck, it's so nice to take your call. And thanks for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We will be back in just a little bit. Please don't go away. Much more important content straight ahead. It's a big news day here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
It's time to go after Russian money, not just by the way their energy sector, their banking sector, but the way that they sort of export their kleptocracy and corruption all throughout Europe. I mean, this phenomenon, I lived in the UK for three years, Londongrad, Russian oligarchs who own sports teams, newspapers, essentially money laundering dirty rubles stolen from the Russian people in the West. The way to hit Vladimir Putin himself, go after his money. The most interesting thing that ever came out of sanctions with, with respect to the Ukraine crisis, was, I think it was in the first sanctions packet passed five months after the annexation of Crimea. What did it say? It said that a Swiss commodities trader, Gunvor, Putin had direct access to cash, personal investments in this commodities trader, which was held in reserve for him by one of his oligarch friends. We are back. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian has the day off. He'll be back real soon. Harry Hurley filling in today with Allison, Pete, and Eric. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show on this very um, busy news day. We go right now to the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline to David Spunt, Fox News correspondent live from the White House. David, welcome to Brian's program. Harry, good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Thanks for the good work that you do. And I, I just want to open up. This is almost like it seems like a like a like a skit on a Gutfeld or a comedy program, a good comedy program, by the way, Gutfeld. Russia, they're masquerading as peacekeepers and calling themselves, Putin is calling them peacekeepers. He's asking Ukraine to demilitarize, to decommunize. I mean, this, this, is, this is, I guess, vintage Putin. He says these things that he knows the entire world takes as unserious. Your thoughts? Well, it's vintage Putin, and this is a playbook he has been taking pages from for a long time. Uh, the people in Ukraine, though, just they, they won't buy it. Um, the interesting part that we're looking at today is the White House just announced these sanctions yesterday. And, and, you know, many people are criticizing the White House for not going stronger sooner. Um, you know, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky early on said, put these sanctions in place sooner. The foreign minister of Ukraine said the same thing with, with Brett Baer last night on special report on Fox News. And, you know, White House officials here continue to say this is the first what they call trash. This is the first round of sanctions. Uh, they hit these banks that are not commercial banks. They're, one of them is a military bank. The other uh, helps fund the Russian government. But they haven't gotten to the big banks yet, the, the, the actual banks that the, the people use every day. As the person was speaking before me said, you got to go after Putin himself and his money. That has yet to come. That's what we're waiting to see from the White House. In terms of the too little, too late, Senator Sass, as you know, has used those words. It's, it's yeah. one of those things where I think that almost no matter what you do, perhaps the other side is going to say or, or the media fairly being objective, trying to be objective, looking at it, will say, maybe you should have done this, you should have done that. Is he in a position? I don't want to make excuses for the president because I, I'm I'm buying into that he should have done more and that in the past, if past his prologue, and David, I'm a believer that it is, the sanctions in 2014 uh, didn't deter Putin one bit. He knew what he wanted to do. He did it. He did what he did in Ukraine. He annexed Crimea. He didn't care about the sanctions. I think he even plans for the sanctions. Now, we could pivot to something that I think yeah. – does hurt, and that is the the decisive, definitive action that Germany took to halt the uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Now, that's an ouch for Putin, isn't it? That would have doubled his production to Germany. And that was a quick decision. 
made made very, very firmly by the new German leader, Olaf Scholz, who was actually just at the White House not long ago. I mean, and he's upsetting his own people. There's no question because it's going to hurt uh, for Germans. It's going to hurt really for people around the world when it comes to the pocketbook. But as you said, that's that's an ouch for Russia, too, as you call it. There's no question about that. And that's one of those decisions that you see um, that you know, he, he took freely and he took quickly. And, and that's something that's going to hit the not only the financial markets in other countries, but in his own country. But it's something you know he's willing to do because he knew he knew how much uh, President Putin wanted to go forward with that. David, by any dispassionate objective analysis, President Biden has had a horrible first year. Now it's 13 months plus terrible. I don't know how it could have been much worse. I mean, runaway inflation and we could you and I could go through the laundry list of um, its abject failure. I said earlier on Brian's show, David, this is an opportunity for the president to reset and restart his failed presidency. If he handles this crisis well, you get a geopolitical threat like this uh, thrown at you. There's opportunity there. Obviously, the president and his team, they can change the whole subject, all these other Questions that, that were daily, you know, they were getting hit with uh, or on the back burner while everything right now is all in on Russia, Ukraine. But it doesn't look like they ever learn. Uh, I'm not asking you to get into opinion journalism, but I'm basing it on the first evening of the limited sanctions that really didn't seem to be sanctions at all, followed by what we know now in the in this second round or first, you know, full round of sanctions the American people in yesterday's Gallup poll said that uh, 36 percent of the American people approve of President Biden on Russia, Ukraine. Can he reset? Can he restart his presidency where he's at right now with this? Well, well you know, a few things. Um, and I, it's important to point out that, you know, when you talk about the 2014 sanctions, yes, there were 2014 sanctions uh, imposed on um on VEB, which is one of these banks, okay, which is not a commercial bank. It's one that I mentioned earlier that helps fund the Kremlin and the Russian government. Those sanctions clearly, as you mentioned, did not work. And those sanctions are still in place as how President Biden um, handles the situation. Anybody here at the White House that we've spoken to, advisors, off camera, on camera, Press Secretary Jen Psaki, everybody, all the way up to the president, insist, including um, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, that the the White House and this administration has laid out President Putin's playbook. They knew this was going to happen. They were preparing for this. Uh, Dalip Singh, who is the deputy national security advisor, was at the briefing yesterday. He made some appearances on television today, and he keeps saying, hang tight. And when I say hang tight, Harry, I mean he's saying hang tight there likely will be more sanctions to come. The president yesterday said if Russia goes further with this invasion, and this is a quote, if Russia goes further with this invasion, we stand prepared to go further. So I think that the White House is looking at what they're doing as a measured approach, a responsible approach, but it gives them breathing room to go after some of those big banks, the Spear Bank, and VTB, I mean, millions of Russians use those banks. Oligarchs use those banks. Those are huge banks with billions of dollars coming in and out. Um, so I think that may change the conversation, and that is what the White House is holding in its back pocket to try and gain control of this situation, because these other banks, 
you know, we see what happened, like I said, in 2014, and that clearly fell on deaf's ears to Putin. Yeah, for Putin, that's just a price cost for doing business. That, that, that just didn't even that didn't uh, move the needle at all. And I'm, I'm curious to what extent any sanction. Putin has a plan here. He knows exactly what he wants to accomplish. So all the rhetoric of we're peacekeepers and, you know, telling the people that Nonsense. Are, are. Yeah, it's it's so unserious. I mean, they're, they're preparing to be attacked. And he's telling the, the side that's preparing to be attacked that they are the, the communists. They are the um, the military. I mean, it's 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 so crazy. It's bizarro world on steroids. What should we, the American people, be thinking in terms and for those just joining the Brian Kilmeade show on the Brian Kilmeade show newsmaker hotline is David Spunt terrific Fox News correspondent live from the White House and we've been talking about the Russia sanctions to the moment and also the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline project which Germany has taken as David said swift immediate action to halt that that would have doubled uh, Russia's production so that's that's a significant sanction that's that's the one for me that hurts Putin the most because they sure. they rely, as you know, on that oil revenue so very much uh, in Russia. That that's definitely um, that's a good one. But what should we, the American people, be thinking? What is the end game? Oh, do you have an hour? <laughs> <laughs> we think, we have five minutes. <laughs> yeah, because we have five minutes. Yeah, you could do um, it. <laughs> you know, the end game. That's a that's. Uh, a great question. I mean, Vladimir Putin is someone who has been in power for over 20 years. Um, there are people that firmly believe he wants to reconstitute not only the Soviet Union, but the, the Russian Empire. I mean, back to the days of the czars, you know, before 1917, the Romanov family. Um, you know, Putin denies that. Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin go back many years. They've known each other for a long time. Um you know, as far as where this goes in the future, I mean, there was talk that Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, and, and his counterpart, Sergei Lavrov, were going to have some sort of summit. Blinken canceled it yesterday. He said there's no point in doing that. President Biden was then going to meet with President Putin again. He met with him last summer in Switzerland. That also is not going to happen, given the current circumstances. But the White House says, listen, it could happen if there is diplomacy if there is an off-ramp. Off Not to be grim, Harry, but, you know, looking at what the Russian president said the other day, I don't, it doesn't look like there's an off-ramp right now. It, yeah. it seems as if President Putin has made up his mind. And, you know, while they've been in eastern Ukraine for some time since 2014, um, clearly it seems that Putin is ready to move west and, and take more of the country. I mean, he believes that Ukraine is Russia, is part of Russia. I went to Kiev a few years ago on a separate story, and, you know, there is a sense from some people that live there um, that that there is a push from Russia to take them back. The majority of people don't want it. They they love their independence. They love the, that yellow and blue flag proudly. Um, but there is a sense that he is going for the big ticket, and the big ticket is Kiev, the entire country. You know, it's so interesting, David. We, we have, I called it bizarro world a little bit ago. Then presidential candidate Mitt Romney said that Russia was our biggest geopolitical threat. Then uh, President Democratic nominee for President uh, Barack Obama said that, uh, laughed, mocked it, and said that if you think that Russia is our 
biggest geopolitical threat than the 1980s are calling and they want their foreign policy back. And the, the Democrat media, they, they joined in that mockery. Uh, they treated Mitt Romney that he was unserious and that the comment was out of, out of bounds or not out of bounds, but but off base. Uh, Romney was right. Here we have now Putin saying that the biggest geopolitical threat was was the, you know, Russia, uh, the Soviet Union collapse. Uh, and that's not you know, the world celebrated that. Uh, so Romney was right. Putin, of course, everything he says is typically the opposite. He plays opposite ball. But I think there's a connection between the serious threat that Russia is as a geopolitical threat. Romney was right about that. I think so. And if, you know, President, uh, I believe it was President Obama who said when Donald Trump, President Trump was taking office, that his biggest problem would be Putin, would be Russia. So clearly it's something the Obama administration um Wait at the time. But, you know, interestingly enough, Ben Rhodes, who was a deputy national security advisor to President Obama, top Obama aide, you know, put out a statement yesterday. Well, I don't want to say a statement. He put out a tweet yesterday. I guess you could call it a statement. He said, quote, the Putin we saw yesterday quite clearly won't be deterred by sanctions. This is more about imposing a cost over time, which is why it's important to focus above all on Russian elites who have participated in this kleptocracy and aggression. And that's where the other sanctions go in for these, you know, five families. They call them oligarchs over there, billionaires, billionaires that, that live in these homes and, and money and, and are so tied into the Kremlin. So, listen, it's too early to say what's what's going to come out about these sanctions. But the White House clearly here, Harry, is is setting the stage for more, for big banks, for more money, for, for a lot tighter grip on Putin than uh, what we've seen over the last two days. No question. They- David, one minute before a hard break, uh, the focus this hour on Brian's show has been, where are we now? What's the, what's the takeaway relative to where we are now with all of this? Oh, I think where we are now is that, uh, you know, Russia is is clearly uh, in a spot, you know, to the United States that hasn't been for years. I mean, there's always been a, a tension since the breakup of the Cold War in the early 90s. But I think uh, I'm not going to say there's a Cold War. That's not my business to say that. But there's certainly a, a stressful, stressful relationship between both right now. And things are very touch and go. And there's no indication while our leaders leave after four years or eight years, there's no indication that uh, this man in Moscow has any, any, any want to leave. Should we also believe, I know this is unfair to throw this out with like 10, 20 seconds, but should we also believe that China is watching very closely and we know that they would love to do what Putin is doing? Putin is making his move on Ukraine. They would love to make a move on Taiwan. This is like a legion of doom we talked about yesterday. If all the Batman villains, if everybody got together and started doing this provocative stuff at one time, they could make a real mess of the world. Well, I'll keep it quick, but we reported through national security sources last week, my colleague Jillian Turner, that, you know, China is cheering Russia on here. Yeah. No question they're cheering Russia on. China behind the scenes may maybe not stand Russia, and Russia may not stand China behind the scenes. But the bottom line, yes, and it, it may give may give them some inkling of, of moving forward. I can't answer that with certainty, but certainly, certainly China's watching. I appreciate what you just said. You're outstanding. David Spunt, live from the White House, Fox News correspondent. David, honored to present you. Oh, you're welcome. Take care.
You take care, too. We will be right back. Serious times, my friends. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian is off. Well-deserved day off. He'll be back soon. I am with Allison, Pete, and Eric. My name is Harry Hurley. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Brian, for the opportunity to work with you today. You're awesome. This hour, the focus of the Brian Kilmeade Show has been where are we right now? That's what people want to know because keep in mind, and we're going to share it later in the program, there is significant Google Analytics that will show that the reading habits of the American people just a week or so ago, there was very little interest, very little searches going on relative to Russia, Ukraine. Now the country is lit up like a Christmas tree. The intensity may vary from some interest to very high interest, but it is there. And let's bring another voice into this in terms of where we are, because many think that the Biden administration hasn't done enough. Eric, cut 11. Oh, I think to the contrary. Um, We've not underestimated him. We've actually laid out for the world uh, his entire playbook, a playbook that he is now following and is making uh, very clear that For example, what uh, the president's laid out, what I laid out at the United Nations a week ago, is exactly uh, what's happening. So we've had a very clear-eyed view of President Putin all along. That's uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, whether or not they have underestimated Putin. He says not. Let's get a view from Ukrainian foreign minister on this um, as well, Dmitry Kaliba. Uh, Cut 14. America always keeps its promises. And... uh, we did something which to, to strengthen world security, something that was in the interest of the United States back in 1994. It's time for America to stick to its promise and pay back and make a contribution to our security. That's a laser beam focus on The Brian Kilmeade Show, where we are right now with Russia, Ukraine. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. I second that. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison, Pete, and Eric. My name is Harry Hurley filling in for today. Brian will be back real soon. A well-deserved day off for Brian. Welcome. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian holds a place on the Mount Rushmore of talk radio programs in America today, and I think you know what I mean by that. I coined the phrase because there's only room for four, and Brian is not number four. Uh, but he is one of four. He is up there, way, way up there. You can follow Brian at briankilmead.com, thebriankilmeadshow.com as well. Brian's books available in his um, retail shop at briankilmead.com, and Brian can autograph books so you can make a very special gift uh, for a loved one. Don't forget Brian's work, of course, weekdays on the Fox News Channel, Fox and & Friends, and Saturday night with the launch of Brian's fabulous program, One Nation with Brian Kilmeade and, of course, Brian's work on the Fox Nation platform. Joining us now 
On the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline is David Harsani, senior writer for the National Review and a syndicated columnist for the New York Post. And he has a piece out that I found very, very interesting recently. Uh, and, and we should be concerned, not just because the People's Convoy uh, launches today from the left coast on its way over the next five days to uh, actually a little bit more than five days. But it will arrive March 5th to our nation's capital. Uh, that's the day, the time they have not yet revealed. They want to keep that uh, close to vest. But David's column in the New York Post with media targeting truckers, donors, say goodbye to anonymous free speech. If you have not been following these, I mean, you have to call them what they are, these dictatorial powers that Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has assumed. And even after the the issue is over, he, well, it could happen again. I mean, it could could rain today, too. Because it could happen again, he says, i got to keep the powers. I've always said this, David, you get these types of powers, and they don't want to let it go. They keep finding a way to have extraordinary, extraordinary powers that they could never have any other way. David, welcome to Brian's program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think you see that as a, as a historical matter. You know, people use emergencies to gain extraordinary powers, extrajudicial powers, unilateral powers, and then they just keep them uh, afterwards. I mean, Trudeau and others in his government were threatening people who participated in the protest that they were going to be punished financially even after it was over, even if when they went home. I mean, that's completely uh, illiberal and authoritarian. It is. That is a very good point. It's opposite of what they say they are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never understand how people how they have the gall to call people who are protesting to have individual freedoms fascists, right? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's not to say every single person who protests is there for great reasons or whatever, but, but in general, these people were protesting to be free of government intervention, to be free of, of the state forcing them to um, inject something into their bodies. Now, whatever you make of vaccines, and I think people should get vaccines, uh, that, is, that is not the role of the state, I mean, in any kind of free nation. Exactly. And it hasn't been uh, ever before. I mean, we've been able to keep free will and free societies. So it is a a departure from all those types of societal norms. And it challenges people's ability to comprehend when these crazy decisions. I mean, for example, Justin Trudeau. Hey, truckers, when you're alone in your truck, you have to wear a face mask. I mean, come on, David. That that's (laughs) so stupid. Yeah, it's it's you have to laugh because it's so stupid. But it's serious to them. They, They think this is the way that it should be. This is the world according to them. And for Brian's listeners, we're not going, David Harsani and I are not going a world away for this kind of just about despotic type, dictatorial type, uh, totalitarian rule. This is unbelievable. We're going just across our border to to this. Uh, I think people should be very concerned about it. Uh, When I saw that a, a woman gave food to a trucker who was protesting and got absolutely demolished over it by the tentacles of this dictatorship, that that's very concerning, David. Yeah, I mean, and what happens is these things compound. Like It's not like anyone's going to hand back the power, like you mentioned before, but also often it gets worse because people push back and then the government feels like it can push back. And when no one stops it, 
Why not, right? I mean, it's not like anyone's standing in the way. And that's why in the United States, I think it's, it's incredibly important that we treat the Constitution with reverence and in the sense that we have originalist judges, for instance, on the Supreme Court, or hopefully who, who stop federal government, for instance, from doing these sorts of things, or even state governments. Apparently in Canada, it does not exist. Um, and this is another reason, by the way, I just want to mention that anonymous speech is important. The people who help fund this protest uh, often did it anonymously because if they didn't, they would be publicly ridiculed as they were by journalists, basically, and their businesses destroyed. That's why anonymous speeches has always been incredibly important in a free nation. And, and in Canada, that doesn't exist either, I guess. We're visiting on the Brian Kilmeade Show with David Harsani, senior writer for the National Review, a talented writer, really great writer and a nationally syndicated columnist for The New York Post. And we're talking a bit about his column, his recent column of just a few days ago. Uh, about what's happening in Canada. Now, I want to pivot for a moment to, uh, and oh, let me slip in real quick. They also, as you know, but I want to make sure Brian's listeners know, they froze people's banks, bank accounts. They took the truckers' trucks. They threw them in jail. They can't get out. I mean, I mean, they're suspending every norm that, that we would imagine would be in place. This is really over-the-top stuff that's going on. Quick comment on that. Then I want to pivot to the People's Convoy because, as you know, it's going to set uh, – it's going to launch uh, today from California. But what are your thoughts about not not just that um, free speech and some of these other things, but they've jailed these people uh, like they're some of the worst criminals on, on the planet and they've taken all access to their money from them and so on. This is really unbelievable stuff. I mean, all that you just mentioned is more um – totalitarian or, you know, authoritarian, I'd say, yeah. than what's going on in, let's say, Hungary, right, where, where we constantly hear is one of the worst countries on earth because they're, you know, because, they're, you know, they're using their power, I guess, in the wrong way and for the wrong things. Well, this, what they're doing, freezing someone's money simply because they have a point of view that, that is not, you know, isn't dissent. Like, of course, people who dissent are in the minority usually, or they wouldn't have to march in the first place. That's that's obvious. And being able or not defending the rights of those people, that's illiberalism. And that's exactly what's going on in Canada. And it's, you know, and I'm not shocked easily lately, but I I was shocked by how um, blatant uh, Trudeau's moves were and and i can't even believe this can happen in a free country I mean, and, ha- like and how about that myself, he, but it he, is really shocking yeah and how about david he said well it may happen again so i'm keeping the emergency powers wow yeah, of course that means you yeah. can keep it forever yeah i mean why not i mean there's always some i mean if that's a, an emergency if if having truckers you know showing up in ottawa is a this huge emergency that rattles the whole country that yeah. you know they need to do all this can you imagine them dealing with any kind of like 911 or real uh you know event i mean i don't even know what kind of powers they would take if they, if that happened exactly in advance of our visit this morning david i mentioned cuz we knew we were going to be speaking with you i mentioned to allison pete and eric that they did all of this for a traffic jam I mean, if you talk about the expression about, you know, a nuclear weapon or some kind of heavy artillery, you know, to to kill a mosquito. I mean, they did this for a traffic jam. Yeah. Well, listen, I think that there's civil disobedience, right? And that, like, instead of blowing up something, you know, which is terrorism, you're blocking traffic. Now, you know, that's illegal, and you move the trucks if you can yeah. or, or that sort of thing. But a lot of these people, or I would say the majority of these people, weren't breaking the law in any way. They were merely protesting government policy. The people's banks' accounts were frozen. The people who were doxxed and embarrassed by the media there, these people – 
um, we're doing nothing wrong. And it's important to remember that, yes. um, you know, there's civil disobedience and protesting. So if you're going to be in and shut down a highway, I think that's illegal. You made your point. After a while, maybe you should leave or you could be moved. But most of these people are not doing that. Right. And also, too, I mean, liberals like Trudeau, they loved all the protests, you know, when they would say, well, one person's riot is another person's protest. They loved all the stuff that was going on, and they called violent people protesters here in America. But somehow these aren't protesters. So they're very hypocritical, to say the least. And I do like your tie-in, because I think we bring this here to the homeland. You remember, and you wrote about it, in the run-up to the 2020 election, if you wrote about Hunter Biden, you could tell the truth. I mean, people had copies of the hard drive. Uh, the information was solid. The, the, the news reporters that were reporting on it, like your colleague, they had the story. These were serious allegations, serious um, issues. The corroboration was in the Hunter Biden laptop uh, hard drive and all this information. If you went and put that on social media, you either got uh, some placard thrown over your posts that this is false, our fact checkers have reviewed, or they just take it down. Then they take deplatform you and take you down. Uh, that you, you cover the um, Democratic National Committee and email hacks and things like that. So we're in an environment right here, David, where if the truth doesn't fit the social tech behemoth's pleasure, they will make the truth your lie and you'll be thrown away in Facebook jail or any other place they want to deplatform you. I mean, I think that's right. There was a concerted effort by major media organizations, by big tech, almost all big tech, and by one of the major political parties in this country to simply, uh, you know, censor censor news. And people will say, "Hey, these are uh, you know, to, you know, private companies." And I agree. I don't exactly know how to deal with this. But I do know this. If you don't have any respect for free expression, for, for debate, for, for open uh, dialogue on these kind of things and for journalism, um, then the First Amendment's not going to mean much in the long term because it's, a, it's also about a culture of freedom, not simply the rules that we have. And they don't respect open discourse anymore on the left. Um, it used to be just be bias in, that, in media. And now there's activism. And I think there's a big difference between those things. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much the big media companies spend a lot of their time simply trying to censor other people to say what is acceptable to talk about and, you know, et cetera. It's really it's really one of the most dangerous things going on right now from, yeah. from my perspective. You know? I agree with you completely. That's so right. That That is right on point. David Harsani on The Brian Kilmeade Show, senior writer for The National Review, syndicated columnist for The New York Post. Two minute drill. And I want to I want to get into this because the People's Convoy set sail today in California at Adelanto uh, Stadium, and they have a full schedule. They'll be in Arizona tomorrow. They'll be in another section of Arizona on the day after that, and then Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Indianapolis, Cambridge, Ohio, Hagerson, Maryland, and finally on March 5th, they won't give the time as yet, I don't blame them, uh, at a time that they're keeping private for their own security, they'll arrive to the District of Columbia, as you know. Now, of course, our Democrats and our leaders of the Democrat Party saw, I mean, I, I would have to think inside they're saying, my God, you couldn't do this worse than Trudeau did it. It was so heavy handed, so over the top, so wrong. And it's so, so at every level, just absolutely almost incomprehensible, the, the heavy handedness of Trudeau. I can't imagine they're going to go that route. 
But this is a they're they're in a tough spot because I don't know exactly what the truckers are going to do, but they have a point. As you know, their their mission is basically that they want to help hold the line until all federal mandates are lifted from health care and the pilots and the military and anybody else that didn't get covered by the Supreme Court decision. What do you see relative to this in a quick minute? Well, I think you're right. I, I don't think they're going to go the Trudeau route simply because we're not Canadians. I just don't think that goes over here for, for a much larger part. You know, portion of the population would be upset by something like that, though, frankly, not enough people would be upset. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope they're successful because anyone who shuts down D.C. is just doing the rest of us a favor. And the more people who don't get to work, uh, the better your life will be elsewhere so and i uh so uh, i don't know i don't know as long as they they do it in a civil way as they did in canada and they and they're you know essentially following the rules of protest i think that that uh, i wish them the best i i don't know how effective it will be here because i think the i think that these uh, mandates are on their way out anyway because yeah. they're so unpopular so uh but they're not out but, yet know, for those that not they're yet. not out yet for though we got to run so we'll, we'll put a dot, dot, dot there to be continued. David, I've really enjoyed our interview. As Brian Kilmeade would say to you, go get him. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. Bye. A pleasure. Good to talk to you. Phone lines are open. Let's get your reaction. The People's Convoy is coming. What do you think of that? Also, what did you think about how the truckers were handled uh, just a simple border away in Canada? A lot to unpack, a lot to talk about. 866-408-7669. That's 866 866- Four zero eight seven six six nine. Check in right now to the Brian Kilmeade Show. There's no topic he won't touch, and there's no opinion he won't engage. It's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at eight six six four zero eight seventy six sixty nine. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian has a well-deserved day off. Brian will be back very soon. Harry Hurley with Allison Pete and Eric filling in. 866-408-7669. The Brian Kilmeade Show phone lines are open right now. So check in right now. 866-408-7669. We're going to take your calls for the rest of the hour on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Harold, I can't wait to talk to you, not just because your name is Harold. Full disclosure, my name is not Harold. It is actually Harry. I know some Harolds uh, abbreviate and shorten it or nickname it to Harry. But it's it's in the family, Harold. So you are talking to okay. Harry. I am talking to Harold, and this is The Brian Kilmeade Show. And I like your question, and I'm ready to um, possibly have a split decision with you. Let's, let's have at it. You want to talk about Canada and that the blockage of the border is illegal and such. Let me give you a quick opening comment, then I'll respond. Yeah, I think it's illegal. Harold, I regret it's not. It's not because you and I are going to have a difference of opinion. I really wanted to have it together, but it is because your phone went in and it went out and the call dropped. We lost you on the Brian Kilmeade show. But I want to give you not only your moment of fame, Harold from Indiana, but a response. And I would have loved to have had it with you because I think that possibly I might have been able to bring you on to a different side on this issue. Because, yes, of course, much civil disobedience 
is illegal in terms of uh, local laws, even state laws and sometimes even federal laws. However, Democrats, liberals usually enthusiastically support this kind of civil disobedience. Come on, let's be real. Let's bring it back home, Harold. Let's, do you remember the summer of love? Do you remember the great city of Chop and, and her sister, Twin City, the city of Chaz? Do you remember the police station commandeered and actually a, another name put over the police station? And those goofy Democrat elected officials were thinking of giving away the police station in a metropolitan city to protesters. Uh, remember what I said earlier. Democrats say one person's you know, violent type riot is another person's protest. So you can't have it both ways, Harold. Sure, it was illegal. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. This is more than just the truckers, right? This is about people feeling completely ignored these are this is this trucker convoy is about pe- them saying the things that other people want to say just like parents in northern virginia were saying things that other people wanted to say 2016 is about voters looking for the biggest middle finger to say things that other people wanted to say and so when people like Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden ignore people and tell people to sit down and shut up, it becomes more about a trucker convoy. Straight talk from the former Republican National Committee Chairman Reince Priebus with uh, Sean Hannity. Uh, spot on, Mr. Chairman, spot on. And a reminder for those on the Brian Kilmeade show, Brian has the day off. He misses you terribly. We'll be back very, very soon. I'm with Allison Pete and Eric. My name is Harry. Uh, great to fill in for Brian today. And let's keep taking your phone calls. The phone lines are open. We'd love your participation on the Brian Kilmeade Show, 866-408-7669. You know how much Brian values your input and your listenership and your participation on the phone lines, 866-408-7669 on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The People's Convoy, as it's going to – it's going to become very famous Within hours and over the next several days, the convoy will begin gathering later today at Adelanto Stadium in California, and then it's going to move its way through a number of states, finally arriving in our nation's capital at a time yet not announced on March 5th, so just uh, several days away. And we're going to go right back to your calls. Barry is listening on KSEV Radio in Houston, Texas. Barry, you're on the air. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Good to talk to you. So I, I know your thoughts uh, because I have these types of mental telepathy powers like a like an amazing Kreskin. You don't think it's going to solve anything because it's been going on for the past three years and it hasn't been solved. Let me give you a quick comment, and then I'm going to tell you what I think, why this is more substantial than maybe you believe. Okay. What's, your, what's your mindset beyond what I just said I think- in, a, in a nutshell? Well, you, you pretty much got me when you talked to me earlier. That's, that's how I feel about it. Okay. I'm looking for solutions. What we've been doing as a country, not just the last three years, I would say for the last maybe eight years, eight to, to maybe 12 years, is you take a swing at me, I take a swing at you. 
and the Democrats versus Republicans and the liberals versus the conservatives. But where are the solutions? They blocked the, the, the roads in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And here we are a few days later. Nothing's really changed as far as the laws of Canada. All right. Well, that, well that, but see, I, I won't contest that because Canada is different than America. Sometimes people think it's exactly the same. It's not just that they say a boat, a boat, and we say about. It's not just that. It, there are differences. The, the American president and the Democratic leaders in this country, I predict on the Brian Kilmeade show, will never take that heavy-handed approach of taking people's trucks away. I mean, declaring basically martial law, uh, taking their bank accounts from them, fining other people and suspending their bank accounts that provided food. I mean, it's so over the top. There's a difference here. And this is the difference, Barry. This convoy, they want to make a point that you shouldn't be firing these federal employees. You shouldn't be firing nurses and techs and doctors and pilots and our military that were heroes a year ago. They shouldn't be getting fired because they either have a religious exemption reason or maybe a medical reason. I mean, think if you're allergic to the ingredients, you're going to tell me you lose your job if you don't take a vaccine that might put you in anaphylactic shock. So they have a mission statement. It's not I I submit to you, Barry, it's not the same as Canada because Canada was organic. It just started. There were no organizers. More followed in. They had things like they had to wear a face mask while they were in their own truck alone. They had all kinds of differences. This is focused. It's about holding the line on the areas that the Supreme Court did not cover those American job classifications. I think they have a point, and I think they're going to make it effectively. Barry, thank you for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to go to Rick in Memphis, Tennessee. Rick, thanks for listening to Brian's program. You're on the air. Hey, Harry. How you doing? Good, Rick. Hey, I totally see your side of it. I really do. And and I hope hope for everybody's sake, you are correct. I really do. My thing is the United States government for so long has been the guy that shows the world that they will bow down and kiss butt but wants to be the big brother and strong-arm the people of the country. They don't want to work with the people. They want to strong-arm them. They've this, this, but, but, Rick, this is true, but c- consider this. See if, if I can bring you uh, to our team on this point. The Democrats have to be very, very careful. Already they're in a world of hurt heading, heading into November 8th midterm general elections. They're going to lose a lot, dozens of seats in the people's house. They're going to lose the majority. They're wrong on all the issues. There's a dour mood in America right now. The Democrats are not going to start locking up truckers uh, when they say they're going to cure the supply chain problem that we have, uh, the optic of that they're the party of unions and things like that. They saw the mess that Trudeau has gotten himself into in Canada, where he felt the need to double down. He was so spectacularly wrong that he had to double down on it again and hold this dictatorial powers because they might start it up again. I think this is going to be different. I think they're going to blow through California, Arizona. They're going to go through Missouri, through Indiana, through Ohio, through Maryland, and finally on to our nation's capital. And I I think they have the upper hand because 
the world saw, the American people saw, and I agree with our previous guest, uh, David, the American people will not tolerate truckers getting beat up, locked up, having their trucks taken away, having their bank accounts seized. We're not going to see anything like that. But I do believe this is another test for the Biden administration, how they handle it, because there's going to be a lot of truckers and they have a point to prove. Maybe the president says, hey, let's meet. He's, he's good at that. He's good at saying that kind of thing. I like to meet like he wanted to meet with Putin, but now it's too late. Uh, he, maybe he'll meet with the truckers and maybe the truckers you know, will get to him and get through to him and say, you know what? You're right. We're, we're basically in the endemic stage of this pandemic and we don't need we don't need to do this anymore. Your thoughts to that point. And, and I hope you're right. What I really think is going to happen is once they cross the Mississippi, then they're going to become uh, terrorists or they're going to become oh, unruly or something. You know, it, it, I, well, hey, I, look, you, you, I, I, hey, Rick, I, you, you're bringing me like a magnet, almost a polarity, pulling me to the to the Rick doctrine, because they, they called this group of, of fools called moms and dads at school boards domestic terrorists. So they're capable of anything, but I really think they look at this. Rural voters right now, 65% are voting against the Democrats if the election were held today. Uh, they feel that when they're taking on moms and dads at a school board meeting uh, with some awful, awful tactics and things that they've done, uh, and then, of course, the Democrats' sort of ownership by the, the teachers' unions. They get themselves in these positions where that's why you have Governor Yunkin. I believe without the school issue, Terry McAwful would have won a second term as governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Rick, you're a great listener in Memphis, Tennessee, of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks for checking in. We're going to go on to a listener listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show, a great affiliate, WMNC in Indiana. Greg, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. You're on the air. Jerry. I have to I have to agree with Dave. Honestly, everything you said, <clears throat> Harry, means nothing as long as we have people sitting in jail in Washington, D.C. from the demonstrations on on January 6th. Well, listen, listen, Greg, I hear you. But remember, you have to remember that every single heavy handed thing that goes down, the American people are watching and that will Im- impact the mood of the electorate heading in, I think it's all baked in. I don't know. You never know what geopolitical threat could present. You just don't know what you don't know. But I appreciate a part of what you said insofar as things that have gone on. However, even if there's disagreement on on the point uh, at, at a narrow level, on the broader point of every single time, the Democrats make these minor departures from our civil liberties, tell us that masks don't wear masks because we'll get ourselves sick. We don't know how to wear masks. Save them for the professionals. That's a lie. Then they tell us you wear one. Then they tell you to wear two. You've all heard Brian talk about this uh, a lot on his program. He's been a very consistent, effective voice on that they don't follow the science. They follow basically a cult, an ideology. So I'm saying with every regressive decision that they make. And if they go too heavy handed on the people's convoy, the American people are watching and this further cements. Once something is baked in, you can't 
you cannot unsee, you cannot unhear, and it will it will just add. You go do a, a I would say ten percent of what Trudeau did to the Canadian truckers. If the Democrats do that here to the American truckers, the 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 People's Convoy, you can. That's five more seats that will leave the Democrat Party in the House of Representatives. You can start to assign actually them leaking seats. Mike is listening on WLNI in Virginia. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show, Mike. Hey, thank you. You guys are doing great. Great thank stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Um, I listen to your show every every day when it comes in uh, on the radio. I'm a truck driver. I've been following the uh, Canadian protest since day one it started. Um, you know, I wish it had ended differently, just like probably everybody else. But you just made a great point. It's going to leave a mark. Yep. And that mark might come out down the road. Here, I think, uh, you know, I don't know what I guess, and I think in the left is seeing what's coming, and they're relaxing their hold on us a bit. So, you know, what will be the purpose now? Is there still going to be mandates that are in place when the truckers get to where they're going? There you go. Now, Mike, let me ask you this as a trucker. We saw sure. in Canada where they and, and I, I was with them because, come on, you, you tell a trucker that's by himself in his truck, you got to wear a mask. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That that not only is that just ridiculous. And so there were a lot of things they were they were doing for their own benefit. And I, believe me, Mike, I don't have a problem with that. But this people's convoy, they know they're not wearing masks in their truck. They know that even all the liberal states only because. The election is November 8th. Are they all calling off all this onerous stuff that they've been doing? They, they would love to keep it going. I know that's an opinion, but it's, it's really, I think, a provable fact that that they would continue with it if they could. But the people have made their will known and they know how much this will hurt them electorally. What I have to say about the American truckers, the the people's convoy that starts today is yep. they're looking out. For other people, they're not even. This is not even at, at this point about them. They're looking out for the healthcare workers, the pilots, the military, all the people that are being fired in real time as we speak. That's altruistic, beautiful work. They're doing that for their fellow Americans. Exactly. Yes. It's for huge. the Constitution, for their liberties, and it, and when you're when you're driving in the truck all day, um, fourteen hours or whatever, you're listening to the radio. A lot of those truckers are well educated on what's going on, um, and and like I, I listen to the radio every day. I listen to conservative news, of course, and uh, you know maybe we can make this about more than just mandates. Um, let's make it. Hopefully, we can. And like you said, this will leave. No matter how it comes out, it'll leave. You know, they'll lose seats. It'll leave a, a lasting impression on real Americans. Yeah, or um, or that the Democrats will calculate that this is really a. a a situation where they better take the better option, and that would be perhaps to listen to them, make some modifications that you're probably close to, to, to getting to this point anyhow. We, we spoke yesterday on Brian's show with Dr. Jeanette Neshwat. She, she agrees that this is basically now gone from pandemic to endemic. So all these onerous mandates and things need to be gone to begin with. So this could be this is a tough spot for the Democrats because if they go too heavy-handed, they will pay a price. If they do the right thing, this is an example of the freedoms that we have in America where when people feel like-minded about a certain thing, look what the Commonwealth of Virginia did. I mean, they shocked the world with um, decisions they, that they made with Yunkin and, and with um, the lieutenant governor, Winsome. Uh, it, so it's um, 
I think that, that the world is their oyster right now. They're going to travel through these states like heroes. I really believe that. Uh, it'll be hard to be against them because they're not being selfish. They're being inclusive. I think it's it's really a great opportunity for them. Uh, Rick, good to talk to you. We're going to take a brief time out. We're going to be right back with more of your phone calls. The phone lines are open, 866-408-7669. That's 866-408-7669. It's open forum, your calls this hour on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian has a well-earned day off. He'll be back very soon, so don't be worried. Harry Hurley filling in today with Allison, Pete, and Eric. Thanks for spending this portion of your day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, I know this beautiful Brian Kilmeade affiliate radio station very well. New Jersey's own WPG, World's Playground, WPG Talk Radio. Lance is listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome, Lance. A gracious uh, good morning, and it's a pleasure to hear your voice this late in the morning. <laughs> well, it's good but, to hear uh, you. My question is, uh, in regards to how heavy-handed uh, this administration can be, has been, I just don't uh, trust the way they could possibly do the same kind of things even that they pulled off in uh, Canada. I mean, all right, Lance, let, let, Lance, Lance, let me let me let me enter into the fray here, because if this situation was several years before an election, I, I would be in the Lance school. They're capable of anything. They know that this election is very, very close. You know, you start thinking November 8th, but there's early voting everywhere. I mean, they're early voting right now in Texas for their primary and uh, the contested primary at that. Uh, with Governor Abbott and with Lieutenant Colonel West and others. So if the election were not so close, yes. My prediction is if they started, I don't even know if the Constitution would permit them for something like a, I mean, that would be like a disorderly uh, offense of, you know, the blocking the public's access, things like that. They could try to gin it up and make it serious. But freezing accounts like they did in Canada, that would cost the Democrats guaranteed many, many additional seats. Quick closing comment. Well, I just think that uh, there's going to be a, an underlining, a common denominator of all the truckers going through from west to east, and it's going to be uh, patriotism and altruism. And I really hope that people not only are watching, but use all their modalities, Harry, and embrace what these guys are going out to do. Lance, good to hear your strong voice on The Brian Kilmeade Show. We will be right back. Much more important content straight ahead with Allison, Pete, and Eric. Harry filling in today for Brian, who will be back soon. Uh, An honor to be filling in today with this wonderful team. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll be right back. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian has a well-earned day off with Allison, Pete, and Eric. My name is Harry Hurley. It's an honor to fill in for Brian. Brian will be back very soon. 
Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Who holds, Brian, a place on the Mount Rushmore of talk radio programs in America today? That's hard to do because there's only room for four, as you know. You can follow Brian at briankilmead.com, the briankilmeadshow.com. Brian is a best-selling New York Times author, and all of his books, and you can get them autographed. It's really great in the Brian Kilmead store, briankilmead.com. Remember, Brian, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m., Fox & Friends, and Saturday nights with the – I'm not even going to say new anymore. It's it's up. It's it's out there, and it's, it's doing great. One Nation with Brian Kilmead, Saturday evenings, 8 p.m. hour on the Fox News Channel. This is a uh, point of personal privilege because Griff Jenkins, and we still have more dark brown than we do silver or gray in our hair. So we must have known each other when we were very young children because Griff and I go back in this business more than a quarter of a century. He was a class act then. He is a class act now. And I'm telling you, when you are covering any border story in America or the world, Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent, is just fantastic. Hey, Griff, there you go. Welcome to the Brian hey, Kilmeade Show. Harry, you're too kind. Check is in the mail, and thank God we still have any hair on our heads at the I age know. we are. And we, each have a, <laughs> but, and we each have a full head of hair, and it's mostly uh, yeah. dark without any coloring, so we must be exactly. young. We must exactly. be young. I keep finding grays in all sorts of uh, places and ear hairs and nose hairs, but such as the, you know, that's just a sign of experience. And yes. I got to tell you, you know, you and I have known each other since the 90s when you would come and fill in on the Ollie North radio show when I was working on it. And, you know, back then we've lived through 9-11 and we've seen these moments in our history when tensions are high. And I think for all of those of us that are old enough to remember the really decades long uh, frustrations and, and, and uh, really obsession that Vladimir Putin has over the breakup of the former Soviet Union. When we heard that speech uh, that he gave over an hour long, really mm. an ode to the old Soviet Union, boy, I'll tell you, it certainly crystallized for me that he has serious intentions well beyond just these two separatist regions. And as we are sitting here talking right now with this massive cyber attack, attack hitting the uh, you know government agencies and media in Ukraine that Putin's carrying out really reminds me of you know what 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 Putin wants to do when he's trying to prep the the battle space as they say and uh, you know it's going to be a very interesting next few days Griff your coverage yesterday which we covered on the Brian Kilmeade show uh, was very interesting it was it was uh, definitive in President Biden's first limited executive orders of two nights ago. So that was a where we were then. With the sanctions that we now see, and we'll stick on the American side because we know Germany has dealt the biggest sanction with halting the um, the, the Nord Stream 2 gas line pipeline. So that that is a, um, that's a big deal. Uh, I don't know if any sanction works on Putin. He seems to be expecting all of this. But... Your coverage was interesting because you talked about that there were limited executive orders, but then in the next statement, covering it the way that you did accurately, you said it really didn't really put any sanctions into effect. So was it – is this a distinction without a difference? Was this, was this very weak? And is anything more going on that you can fill Brian's listeners uh, in on? 
Well, you know, Harry, that's a, and first of all, thank you for the kind words. I try to do the best I can, and in the limited 90 seconds, the two minutes of TV they give you, hard to pack it in. And so I'm excited to have just a little bit uh, longer breath to explain this because I think it's really important to really all Americans to understand what exactly are we doing with sanctions. We've heard sanctions. What is that? What does that mean? Well, the first ones were literally limited to the U.S. not doing business with anyone in the separatist regions. Now, that's really symbolic, Harry, because we already weren't doing necessarily business there. And again, it wasn't even targeting Russia. All it targeted was this uh, separatist region, which is obviously now the front lines of this invasion. But Beyond that, this first tranche now that the president announced yesterday goes after Russian elites, sovereign debt, as well as financial institutions, essentially the two big banks uh, in Russia uh, to the tune of $750 billion, barring you know financial transactions, they can't get loans, trying to financially hurt them. But clearly – the administration is indicating that more uh, sanctions are coming to further punch Putin, if you will. And that is why we saw yesterday Ukraine's foreign minister, who just spoke an hour ago at the UN General Assembly, he was here in Washington. His name is Dmitro Kaleba. He sat down with Brett Baer on special report last night. Amazing interview. His English is phenomenal. He was meeting with Blinken, Secretary of State Blinken, as well as President Biden earlier in the day. And he tweeted at 3.21 a.m., because that's when I come in, to get ready for my first hit at 4 a.m., I saw a tweet from him, and I was like, what is this? It was a message saying he applauded his meetings in the sanctions that the president already unleashed, but he said, now is the time to hit Putin hardest. He said, Harry, quote, hit more, hit hard, hit fast. And the reason why he's saying that is because he knows that the sanctions in 2014 that the U.S. put uh, on Putin when he invaded Crimea essentially did nothing. It certainly didn't deter him. And so now, while that foreign minister is facing a definite conventional warfare uh, on the eastern side of his country, he knows that if the U.S. and the world at large, not just Germany, but also the EU, the U.K., Australia, will throw really binding sanctions that could really hurt him, that that would then limit Putin to carry out what is clearly, uh, by all observers now, not just going to be a uh, limited incident, but a large-scale invasion, which means there would be multiple phases. It would take uh, weeks, months, if not longer, to ultimately take what could be the entire Ukrainian country, which would then post up a brand-new Cold War that could turn hot very quickly because that would put Russia – Occupying Ukraine now with guns tip to tip with a whole handful of NATO countries, including Poland. You can see how much is unfolding. Uh, really amazing narrative, clear, concise and on point. Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent on where we are right now with Russia, Ukraine. The president telegraphed this because he knows he knows what's coming. Higher energy. Uh, obviously, he knew that Russia would be squeezed. He knew that Nord Stream 2 would be halted. Um, so they, they, they've had a book on this for a while, and they know Putin's book on this. And, and, Griff, I know you're well aware of all of that. Share with our listeners, though, the American people who have been bearing a lot of pain 
over the past 13 months from trying to go from pandemic to endemic uh, with the, the runaway inflation, everything, no one's wages, even if the president says, hey, I'm giving you more money, but it's not keeping up for the average American is nowhere near keeping up with the increases to everything from gasoline to groceries and all the things that, that, that we could go on and on and on about. This yeah. means I think this means, Griff, higher gasoline prices on top of that. And I think that I, as one American, I will be telling anybody that will listen to me here on the Brian Kilmeade Show and work that I do that you're aware of, that 13 months ago, we were energy independent. We were a net oil exporter. Now we beg OPEC uh, to open the spigot up. We're begging people who don't like us, like Russia, to produce more. So this energy policy, which was a failure uh, in normal terms, I believe is exacerbated because of Russia-Ukraine now. Uh, and so the American people better be prepared that a byproduct of American diplomacy is going to bring about even higher prices. Do you agree or disagree? Harry, I totally agree. Look, there is no coincidence that Putin is choosing to take this action now while he's watching soaring inflation that is uh, uh, long-term, not temporary, as the administration tried to tell us a year ago, with respect to gas prices, uh, feeling pain at the pump as well at the grocery store. And he also knows that the administration has turned our energy independence spigots off. And we're not going to open it in the name of climate change. And so with, you know, a barrel of oil exceeding $100, oil prices as high as they are with already existing long-term inflation, he knows now is a great time to take his action and to create essentially discomfort here at home in the U.S. And add to it, you know, I was listening uh, to Fox's coverage yesterday a little bit, and Sandra Smith was, was talking with a guest, talking about how a lot a lot of people don't really know of Ukraine as the fourth largest global producer of wheat. And so there's a chance that, uh, you know, food prices as well increases, which are already more expensive. And so Putin is playing uh, his hand strongly, knowing that one move that Biden will not make is to open up his own spigots to alleviate those high prices, pain that he can Institute. And also, by the way, when we're talking about discomfort for Americans, which, by the way, the president says this is going to hit us and impact us as well, but it's worth it in the name of democracy. And I don't disagree with him there. However, uh, Putin also, uh, the Department of Homeland Security yesterday, issuing a, a uh, warning, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, sort of a, a, a cryptic warning, uh, urging U.S. businesses to prepare for possible cyber attacks and retaliation to the sanctions. Yeah. Although, specifically, Mayorkas saying uh, in a tweet that he, he does not cite, there is no credible threat currently, specific credible threat, but uh, we should prepare for it. And so I think, you know, when you think uh, of, oh, how things were, were quite uh, uh, destabilized when the colonial pipeline 
you know, of, of the past summer uh, hit us. Uh, these are the sorts of things that Putin will look to do, particularly as we increase sanctions. And, and just to nerd out for mm-hmm. 20 more seconds, I was watching a deputy national security guy on CNN this morning, and he was starting to talk about uh, adding export controls uh, to to the package of sanctions. And a lot of people, you know, think, oh, what the heck is that? Well, export controls are essentially our ability, right, through foreign direct entities that make things like computer chips, we can stop them from being exported into Russia. Russia doesn't make their own computer chips, but yet they're great at computer hacking. And so everything from a computer to a smartphone all the way up to a semiconductor in Russia could ultimately uh, suffer if the U.S. exerted some export controls. We kind of saw this when the U.S. went after the Chinese company Huawei to try and wreck them. And we hurt them quite badly with exactly this sort of export controls. But I think you can expect to hear that term uh, and terminology in the coming days, uh, because that is clearly something that the White House uh, seems to be considering. And it really, I think, would be quite unprecedented if we went after an entire country, entire uh, industries and sectors within another country by adding export controls to the sanctions. The question now, really, too, Harry, is whether or not, in light of the fact that just in the last hour we've gotten this news that Putin's already launching a cyber attack on Ukraine's government, will we now unleash more sanctions by sundown? Who knows? It's anybody's guess. But one thing is for sure, there are a handful of critics, many Republican lawmakers, saying that it's too little too late and we can't keep waiting around. Short answer on this because we have a hard break in 30 seconds. Putin has said uh, he's pe- they, that he's putting peacekeepers there. Uh, laughable, of course. He, he's asking Ukraine to uh, decommunize, to demilitarize. Uh, uh, laughable stuff, but th- he does this with a straight face. Quick comment on that. and We've got a hard break hitting. Quick comment. Secretary of the U.N. said they're anything but peacekeepers. And I will tell you, as a guy who spent time in combat with Ollie North, it's time to lock and load. It's going to get rough in Ukraine in the near future, I predict. Serious journalist Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent and my good friend. Good to be with you, Griff. Keep it up. Thank you, Harry. You're welcome, sir. It's uh, time to break for just a few minutes. We're going to come back to your phone calls. The phone lines are open right now. On the Brian Kilmeade Show, 866-408-7669. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you. Welcome back. It's Harry Hurley with Allison, with Pete. And Eric, you know the team. I'm uh, honored to have been asked to fill in today. Brian will be back soon, and I know how much he wants to get back here with you. There's so much, so much um, going on right now in the country and the world. It's just such a, um, it's a tipping point moment in many respects. And sometimes people don't realize how things that can happen far away can have such an immediate direct effect. We already have seen. You, you see the price at the pump. I mean, on the border of New Jersey and New York, there's a station right now. It's six dollars a gallon. I guess I'm lying. It's five ninety nine point nine. If you use a credit card, if you pay cash, you save a couple of pennies. Uh, This is a serious issue in terms of energy prior to whatever is going to unfold here. And 
when you hear 7.5% inflation, don't you believe it for a minute. It does not include energy. It does not include food. This, this is runaway inflation. That's not just jargon. That's an exact expression for what this is. And we have on the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline, he's written a column today. I, I'm urging you to read it because it's, it's a primer in terms of how certain numbers could be reported right now in glowing terms, but yet nobody will possibly believe it if they hear it. It's titled, Why This Economic Boom Can't Lift American Spirits. Now, nobody believes when the president or Press Secretary Jen Psaki talks about this booming economy and more jobs than have ever been created, and I put more money in your pocket and the shelves are filled, uh, yet your money in your pocket isn't keeping up with the prices on the shelves and the supply chain interruptions and things that you can't get either at all or in a timely manner or go try to build a house. I promise you it will cost at least 20000 more because of the materials. Joining us is Josh Mitchell, who covers the economy better than I could possibly be saying it. So I'm going to stop with my uh, passionate monologue and say hello to the Wall Street Journal's Washington, D.C. Bureau. Uh, just terrific reporter, Josh Mitchell. Josh, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yes, hi, thanks. Good to be with you. I love your column today because something can be true – but if nobody believes it, then what is it? Uh, perception versus reality. Perception wins unless reality successfully carries the day. Sure. You know, in some ways, things are going pretty well. GDP growth was strong last year. Obviously, that came after a year when GDP growth was very weak. But it was still strong, and the unemployment rate is low. And yet, if you look at consumer confidence, if you ask people on the street, how do you feel uh, people in general feel as bad as they did back in 2009, um, which, you know, is obviously during the housing crisis and the huge downturn there. Yes. So there's something going on. And I think, you know, I think the number one thing is inflation. I mean, you said it. Um, and, you know, inflation really caught a lot of people off guard. And I think it's important to know it's not just the fact that people go to the store and they see prices higher and higher literally yeah. every single week. But I think it's also because if you just think about it, it was only last March in April that the Fed was saying, look, inflation is going to be about 2 to 3 percent last year, 2021. And um, less than a year later, uh, inflation ends up being 7.5 percent. Yes. So I think it's not only that things are more expensive, but that like people were so caught off guard, whether it was the president of the United States, whether it was, whether it was the Fed or whether it was the everyday consumer who goes to the grocery store. It was a really big surprise. Josh, let me – you're right where I wanted you to be. I mean that's why you're Josh Mitchell. Uh, the, the president told us – and I have to give the Fed a lot of credit. I believe during the pandemic the Fed really did a great job. Where they went off the rails though, and I don't understand why – because I have a very limited financial background, three years in the financial services industry, uh, a, a several-year stint with President Trump and, and, a, and a career in the hotel industry and, and a 30-year-plus career in broadcasting now. So I know a little bit about this. I, I wouldn't call myself an expert at all, but I know a little bit about this stuff. And I said, this is not transitory. This is going to be significant inflation. It's not going to be the numbers that we remember from the Jimmy Carter presidency, where when you go to buy a car with perfect credit, you pay 21.6%. I know because I did it. Uh, that was in about 1980-ish. 
uh, I couldn't believe it. I said, I have AAA credit, and it's 21.6%. Very, very young. It was my first new car, and I couldn't believe my eyes. And we bought our first home, and it was 17.5% with, with perfect credit. So we're not going to see that. But in many respects, because they don't report energy and food in the, in the inflation numbers, this not, and, and we know why they do that, because they can. But this is really a double-digit inflationary runaway environment. Do you agree, Josh? No, I wouldn't say that. You know, I would, you know, I think 7.5% is a pretty accurate reading of inflation. It, it does include all those components. Um, so, you know, I have to go by what the official data says. Well, time, um, time out one second, Josh, because so yeah, I'm going to now sharpen my pencil because my understanding is that the official government numbers do not include energy. They do not include food. Now, if they do, I concede without even a second's argument that you are right. But my understanding is that 7.5% does not include energy or food. But one of us is going to be right, and I'm going to – No, gonna... no it, it does. Okay. It, it, it does. So, that's, so that is the Consumer Price Index. And if you just Google it, you can pull up the report. It's fairly detailed about what's rising. Now, 7.5% is overall – you know, the cost of living, how much that's increased over the past 12 months. But if you do look at energy, that is growing a lot more quickly than 7.5%. But it, it does include all that. Okay. Um, and, you know, now the point is, though, is that, um, you know, there were, you know, when inflation was rising last year for a number of months, both the Fed and the uh, Biden administration were saying this was transitory, and it hasn't ended up being transitory, at least not as of now. And so I think that's the big issue. Um, it does include all those things, though. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, you mentioned about the supply chain issues. I do think that there's an important point here. I think, um, you know, I don't think anyone really, really understood how quickly people would spend their money and where they would spend it. And so what ended up happening last spring is, you know, obviously Congress approved all of this money to go out to households. And on top of that, you know, the Fed has, you know, very low interest rates. And it was all to stimulate the the economy uh, to get out of this pandemic-induced downturn. The, the, the problem ended up being a lot of people ended up buying a lot of goods just at the time when these bottlenecks were occurring. And so it's not simply supply issues here. It's not simply that you know, companies can't, you know, make things fast enough. It's that people ended up spending a lot of money in part because they got a lot of money, whether it was from, you know, stimulus money or unemployment insurance or the stock market was booming, house prices going up, you know, all it was like this perfect storm. <clears throat> and so um, it was both of those things. And I, I think that that's where there was some miscalculation on the part of officials, you know, saying it's just supply supply chain issues and it's not just that it's both it's both on the demand side and the supply side okay this is going to be a really interesting and we're going to be friends josh i promise you but it's going to be a very interesting split decision because in 1957 the cpi created an index that's what we're talking about correct cpi right yeah okay yeah, it, it, exclu yeah. it excludes energy and food and it's right here in black and white. It excludes energy and food. I'm not trying to be right. I want the Brian Kilmeade show to be right. I, I, I if you're right, then so I join. A, so there, there are two. There are two measures. There is the overall CPI, which is the overall inflation rate, and then there's called the core CPI, which is core inflation, which excludes energy and food. So there is a subcomponent 
that excludes uh, that excludes you know certain components to smooth out things. It just depends on which one you want to look at. But if you're talking about 7.5%, that is the overall headline figure that includes everything. And if you just pull up, if you Google CPI, pull up the latest report, it'll show that. But in the BLS, right? I promise you. If I promise you, if I was lying to you, the Wall Street Journal would fire me. I know. It's amazing. I mean, but that's the BLS you're talking about that publishes it, correct? Yes. And, mm-hmm. it, sa- and it says right here the BLS publishes thousands of CPI indexes each month including the headline All Items CPI for All Urban Consumers. Most importantly, none of the uh, prominent legislative uses of the CPI excludes food and energy. So that, that, I believe, the reading of that supports you. So I just – this is not – I don't want to beat this dead. I just want Brian's show to be correct Uh, because I've gone with the fact that CPI doesn't include the food and energy – but that is under core inflation, does not exactly. Include. So there, exactly okay. the core we're, rate we're... excludes those two things, and again, it's within that headline number. And again, you know, the the idea being that you know, if you want to like you know, sort of strip out some of the components that swing up and down, and oil was one of them. You know, so if you want to get the underlying sort of smoother trend of what the cost of living is doing, then you can strip out those two components. But the seven point five number is, in fact, including everything. That's important. Um, and I'm glad. And, Thanks for the yeah. opportunity to torture it. I mean that. Of course. Uh, of course. Josh, you're awesome. <laughs> in terms – but your article is absolutely on point, and, and I enjoyed reading it, and I've enjoyed the conversation with Brian's audience in terms of sort of deconstructing it a little bit, in terms of why the economic boom can't lift America's spirits, because the American people don't feel it, correct? Isn't it that simple? Right. Well, I think, yes, it's that. So if you look at real wages, which is basically what you earn, taking into account inflation, those are actually going down. Um, you know, and, and in other words, the cost of living, the cost of going to the grocery store, buying gasoline is rising more quickly than on average people's hourly wages. And so your earning power is going down. Um, and I think the concern is um, – that, um, you know, there, the, no one really sees a way out of this. I think people are, have lost faith in the idea that institutions, whether it's Congress or the Fed, you know, really knows what's going on. And the polls show that, that people have lost confidence or trust in the ability of officials to get us out of this pandemic, to get us out of this inflationary environment. And so, you know, I think a lot of people feel like no one's at the wheel. Keep in mind, there's other factors here that my story um, says, which is, you know, there are, there are a shortage of products. And when you go to the grocery store, you know, I think people get really flustered when they want to buy their favorite brand of what have you, uh, milk or Band-Aids or what have you, and they can't find it and they have to go for you know, either they, they're not able to purchase that. I mean, the grocery store that I go to, there was a number of days and weeks where they didn't have any eggs. And so, you know, people, it's one thing to say, look, GDP grew at, you know, 5.5% last year. That was the strongest in years. That's kind of an abstract idea. When you go to the grocery store every day and you can't get your eggs, or when you buy a sofa online and it takes months and months and months, six months or a year to there get a go. sofa, those are things that you notice really quickly and you tell yourself, look, Something's wrong. Something's going on here. And on the one hand, I keep hearing that the economy is doing great, but why can't I buy eggs at the grocery store? Um, you know, the, the other the other thing I'll mention real quickly, and then yeah. you know, I'm, I'm eager to hear if you have any follow-up questions. But you know, 
you can see in the polls that there was a very big decline in consumer confidence around around August. And I think that had a lot to do with the the, the new wave of Delta infection that came on board, and then it was Omicron. And I think people were so excited and were expecting that we were heading out of the pandemic, and then all of a sudden, this new wave comes on board, mask mandates come back into place, you know, restaurants, some restaurants had to reduce their hours or indoor dining again. And I think people, a lot of people lost faith that we were heading out of this. And I think, you know, keep, it, it, um, last, last spring, President Biden said, look, by Independence Day, you know, this virus is not going to be gone, but we will start to declare our independence from this virus. In yes. other words, we're turning a corner. Mm-hmm. And just when we thought we were turning a corner, all of a sudden we hit the brakes again. <clears throat> exactly. We're in the final minute. So what I want to do is I want to recommend that folks read Josh because this is really a great story about how we're usually celebrating when these different indices are strong employment and all these other things, but that this is unusual that it's not following that. Give us a closing minute on why you think that is. Well, you know, I, why, can you, can you read that again real quick? Basically, why, why don't people see something as good? They're looking at this. This is not even like the glass is half full. I mean, the prices of everything, I mean, this is not every time the president or the president's press secretary says all these incredible statistics about this is the greatest in the history of the country and all these things. No one believes it. Right. So, again, I think if you if you go to the gasoline station, you see prices rising every week, you know, uh, you you sort of you you start to think to yourself, I'm going to have less money in my pocket down the road. And if there's no plan to stop these increases from rising, but my wages aren't going up at the same pace, you start to become concerned. Same thing with, you know, if you look at the stock market, I mean, you know, a lot of people are not exposed to the stock market. Um, And so while the stock market was booming up until the past month, a lot of people don't have, don't own stocks. Um, you know, same thing with home prices. You know, if you're if you're wealthy, if you're if you had enough money to buy a home in Washington D.C. or New York or where have you, South Florida, yes, you're you're enjoying you know uh, the rising price of your home. But if you yeah. don't, you start to think to yourself, rent's going up, home prices are going up. I'm never going to be able to buy. The price of eggs is going up, and my paycheck is going up, but not nearly as much as it's, as is needed to live the American dream. Hey, Josh, Josh, I'm I'm only jumping in because we're at a hard break. But I'll tell you, out of of everything, the the input, the the information you shared was so terrific. And I do appreciate the clarification in terms of inflation versus core inflation. That was very uh, educational for everyone, including myself. Josh, great to visit with you. Thanks for being here. Sure, sure. Have a great day. We're going to be right back. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. It is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian has a well-deserved day off. He'll be back real soon with Allison, Pete, and Eric. I am Harry. Great to be here filling in for Brian and the team. We have time for one more call, and why shouldn't it be an actual truck driver who is joining the convoy to Washington? This all begins today in California, and it will work its way through Arizona, through Oklahoma, Missouri, 
Indianapolis, Ohio, Maryland, and then finally uh, on the date of the 5th of March, but the time is not being revealed uh, because they want to keep that close, the People's Convoy. James, you are going to be in the convoy. Tell us your thoughts. Yes, sir. Uh, well, like I said, we, well, like I was telling you, other fellow, we, we already know Joe Biden is putting fences around the White House, putting garbage trucks and, and dump trucks, and now he's bringing out 600 uh, uh, National Guard troops. What does he really think? I mean, we're doing a peaceful protest. It's not like we're doing a summer of love. We're not trying to destroy nothing. James, James, let me jump in real quick. James, because we're at the end of the program, and I want to give you an opportunity to quickly respond to this in about 20 seconds or so. Do you believe that the American governmental response will be similar in nature to what happened in Canada? Oh, yeah. Joe Putin is trying all his best to go over it. We call him Joe Putin. All right, James, I got to end it right there, not because we don't love you, but because literally this hour is out of time. On behalf of Allison, Pete, Eric, and, of course, Brian Kilmeade, thank you for the opportunity to spend some time here with you today on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Stay close to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Have a great rest of your day. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.